Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we sit down with John Paul McDonald. He is one of the founders of Campanella McDonald. They are chartered professional accountants who specialize in working with small businesses and real estate investors. And on this episode, we kind of go all over the map. We chat about depreciation. I think I think the proper term is capital cost allowance or something like that. Don't hold me to that. JP corrects me on this podcast uh, properly. I asked him to. Um, so we talk about depreciation and holding real estate. We just talk about real estate investing in general and why he holds real estate and his thoughts as an accountant on real estate. And we talk. We get into CRA. The you know what what triggers a CRA audit from his viewpoint, you know, what has he seen over the last few years? What really kind of gets CRA's attention and, and, uh, will trigger an audit. We get into tax brackets and different tax brackets as Canadians. We talk about capital gains trends. So we go through all the different wonderful tax and real estate things that we all discuss as real estate investors and small business owners here in Canada. And then we just talk about life. Um, we dive into, of course, we dive into Bitcoin a little bit. We talk about, um, our own investing and thoughts on life in general. So, Really enjoyed sitting down with John Paul. We've known him for some time now. I'm trying to think exactly. I guess it's. I guess we've known him for over a decade now. So we've known him for a while. It's been wonderful to see his business grow with Fabio Campanella. So his business partner has been on this podcast multiple um, multiple times. His name is Fabio Campanella, and uh, and that's it. And before we get started, I just want to share that we are running into some Canadians who feel they have missed the boat or it's too late for them to get into the real estate investing game. And I can tell you that we have seen Canadians with that exact viewpoint for at least 13, 14 or 15 years. So if that is you and you need a little bit of inspiration or you want to see what other Canadians are doing to maybe help you decide if you should jump into the world of real estate investing, you can go to the couple new sections on our website. So if you go to rockstarinnercircle.com, there's a tab at the top that says our work and under that it's case studies and investor stories. So if you click on the case studies there, you'll read stories of different Canadians who have shared how they've jumped into real estate what their fears were, how they overcame them, what were some of the pros, what are some of the cons of real estate investing? What are the, you know, what are the negative side of real estate investing that we all need to be aware of? And there's investor stories. So those are shorter stories, not full on case studies of different investors that we've worked with over years that have shared their feedback on what they've been doing with real estate. So if you yourself need some inspiration or want to see what other Canadians are doing and saying in the world of real estate, you can go to rockstarinnercircle.com and under the new tab that says our work, you'll find case studies and investor stories. That's it for the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with J.P. McDonald. John Paul, can you hear me? Yep. You prefer John Paul, though, don't you? Uh, first introduction, yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay, we'll start again. All right, we are live <laughs> with John Paul McDonald. By the way, we're not editing that out. We're not starting again. We are live with John Paul McDonald, who is a... I, I, He's an accountant. I was going to make an accounting joke, but uh, he's an accountant, knows his shit. And uh, I want to ask you some accounting questions on real estate and the whole bit. But uh, yeah, the reason we have the headphones on is when you drift away from the mic like this, see when you drift away, see how it feels yeah. or sounds, sorry. Yeah. That's why we have the mic, the, okay. the headphones. I'll try not to fall over. You're going to have to pull the mic a bit closer to you. There we go. I'm a soft speaker. There we go. So you uh, became an accountant and you have a practice with your partner, Fabio Campanella. Yep. And um, we'll get into some accounting questions, but wh what truck are you driving now? You were just talking about a truck. Uh, the Ram 21. You're going to have to speak up a little bit there, John Paul McDonald. <laughs> oh, you have a, a Dodge Ram? Yeah. Pickup truck. Yeah. Because I'm tempted to get, so I have a deposit on a Tesla that's being delayed and delayed and delayed. Model S, I think it's the refresh Model S. And I'm supposed to get it, uh, I think in August. Um, by the way, that's like the craziest buying experience ever. Like I just text a guy and he texts me back and then he called me for my visa card for a deposit. And he's like, you bought. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, how much did I spend? I don't even know how much I spent. I bought this thing. No, when you get a truck, you still go to the dealership. Yeah, you go, and you can negotiate. So you got a truck for what purpose? Uh, I don't, I, I got one a couple of years ago and I traded in my Range Rover and I just wanted to, a truck. 
and because we grew up with trucks and yeah. I find trucks are so handy. I miss the trucks. I'm thinking of, the reason I'm saying this is I think between giving my X5 back um, and getting this Tesla, I think I'm going to rent a truck for a couple months. Once you do it, you won't go back. The only disappointing thing is the truck won't have green plates. And I've had green plates now for many years so I can drive on the HOV lane right. and really not care. So this is the problem in my life. Don't you live Joe. down the street from your office? Yeah. Yes, I do. Like, but the odd time that I venture out of the area, I yeah. want to go on the HOV lane. Fair enough. Um, so you guys uh, launched a podcast that we're going to get into. You bought a cottage a little while ago, but I want to start with some uh, just accounting stuff because you were bringing it up. When do you depreciate a property and when do you not? So like when you're holding rental properties, is it your opinion you, that you just always depreciate? And what's the negatives if I depreciate a property? It, it depends if you're holding the, the property in a corporation or personally. So with high income earners versus low income earners also. So low income earner, CCA will bring net income. We always at our firm use CCA to bring net income down to zero. So we don't claim losses on our rentals. CCA being capital cost allowance or whatever yep. fancy term depreciation. you just said. Depreciation. Yeah. So when you when you buy a property, let's say it's five hundred grand. Rule of thumb is twenty percent goes to land, eighty percent goes to building. The building can get depreciated at four percent a year on a declining basis. So for the income statement, what we do is if there's ten grand of income left at the end of the year, we take the four percent on the CCA, uh, UCC balance and get net income to zero. CCA can't create a loss on rentals. And CCA can only be used on that particular property. You can't carry any depreciation from one property over to another property. No, it's, it's, on, it's on the pool. Oh, it is on the yeah. pool. Okay, you see how, how little I know. Okay, yeah. got it. So it's, it's, it's a pool of assets within the business. So um, we, we take it to bring it to zero. And at the end, when you do sell the property, then you have your recapture that you end up paying tax on the CCA that we take in over a year. But that's, we look at it as time value of money. So someone who's in the highest tax bracket, we don't want them to pay tax. We want to use the money that they have right now to go reinvest in something else. And then in five or 10 years, they just pay the tax because it's going to be 50% anyways someone in a lower tax bracket, you kind of have to look at that and give a judgment call with the client to say, what do they prefer? And does, do you ever have to take in any account of when the person's selling the property? Because if I come to you and I say, okay, well, you know, John Paul, I'm going to sell the property next year. Right. Um, I guess there's some planning around that maybe, or no, is it just in your eyes, it's always just better to be tax efficient, to defer taxes, and take the depreciation or the CCA every year when you can get it. Well, yeah, again, it depends. So if someone's making, you know, once you're above the like 125,000 of personal earnings, you're in the highest tax bracket, roughly, it's about 128. So if someone's in the 90,000, then we start to look at it at, at, do we take CCA at that point? Because when they come into next year and they're selling their property, they're gonna jump tax bracket. So we need to, to factor that in when they're in the lower tax brackets. Anyone in the highest tax bracket, it doesn't matter, right? So at your firm, who does this analysis? Because I'm just thinking for so many years now, we've, uh, we've, we've trusted our accountant and just kind of shove everything to him and he's done a beautiful job. Right. Of just, he takes care of it, he tells us what he's done and why, mm -hmm. and I've loved it. So is that how you operate with your clients? You just take it in and you're almost the consultant when you're there, you're looking at their stuff. Cause I guess before I started using an accountant and we had like multiple corps and the whole bit, multiple pieces of real estate and businesses, I was always very scared to hand over my taxes. I always wanted to know exactly what the accountant was doing. Like, what are you doing exactly? Right. And then we kind of outgrew that a little bit. And now mm -hmm. we just trust our accountant. Right. Is that how people come to you? You, they just dump everything on your lap. 100%. You analyze it and come back to them and say, okay, here's what we're doing and why. Right. And, and we've trained our staff in that manner as well. So, I mean, for personal taxes, me and fab really aren't even involved anymore. So. Because it's so simple. Um, no, pers personal tax is actually harder than corporate. Why? It just is. There's so many more nuances within personal tax, so many tax credits, so many things to look at. Whereas corporate, it's, you know, there's a couple schedule. It 
corporate tax is pretty straightforward. You just need to make sure for corporate tax you're set up correctly. That's the main thing for corporate. Personal is things can be changing every year. Like Bitcoin just popped in this year. That's a new Shit, thing. Shit, it didn't take you long. We're only six minutes in. Um, you got Bitcoin we're not, into we're the not, conversation. We're not, we're not talking about it yet, but um, it, everything everything changes personally because <clears throat> that's where the government really makes their money is personal, personal taxes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think I remember looking at some pie chart of government reve government revenues. I wish I had it in front of me right now. And corporate taxes to the comp contribution of Canada's revenue as a nation at the government level was some obscenely small amount in my eyes. I think it was like 18% or 13%. And then personal taxes as a contribution to tax revenues in this country was like 51% or something astronomical. You, you just educated me. I just guessed that. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I remember just looking at the pie chart going, everyone who is working as an employee and has no other things to leverage the tax system is just completely getting screwed. Right. Um, okay. So but now on the corporate side, is it all, does it always make sense to hold real estate inside a corporation in your opinion? Or is that also, yeah, I guess I can anticipate the response. It's, 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 depends. what do you think? The, what do you think the response is going to be? I guess be? you're going to say it depends on your personal income and how much you're, you know, how much you're earning personally and then how much that rental income is going to contribute to your personal income. And it's these things that will decide whether we put it into a corp. I'm, I'm going to say, I mean, anyone that comes to me, I tell them up front, put it in a corp. Why is that? The reason why is I'll, for my, myself as an example. So when I bought my first properties, I was 27. I was worth nothing. Five years go by. I have a house, personal house. Equity starts growing. I have a business. All of a sudden, I'm worth a lot more and I have more properties. So my net worth is a lot more. So when I look at corporations, they're there for liability protection. That's their main purpose. Secondary is tax planning. So when you're 27 and starting versus when you're 40, the dollars have changed on what you're worth and what you can get sued for and lose. So anyone starting out, I tell them, you're going to be 40 soon. So if someone comes to me at 40, you're going to be 60 soon. So do you want to put your assets at risk down the road or do you just want to incorporate now for 1500 bucks and just set it up correctly? Because most people come back and say, damn, I wish I did it. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because I think over the last few years, we've probably told people, listen, if it was that we're not an accountant and we're not lawyers, so, you know, talk to someone like yourself. <laughs> like that as you're taking the, the Corona. So by the way, I'm only having water. <laughs> JP's having your Corona here. I'm only having water because I'm going to go to the gym after this. And last time we did a podcast right before the gym and I was having tequila and then yeah. I went to the gym. <laughs> not a good move. Definitely not a good move to have tequila and then go to the gym right afterwards. I've learned that the hard way. So I'm not just having water. But um, um, we t we've been telling people that we started out with corporations because way back, I think Nick and I took one of those expensive weekend boot camps that like tells you how to get rich over the weekend. And one, <clears> of the, <throat> one of the only things we took away from that was meeting good accountants and lawyers who said, hey, use this corporate structure, which we put together. Right. But for the first few years, when we only had like one or two properties in there, Nick and I thought, oh my gosh, we're paying. We paid for like our, our real estate corp. And then we had a holding corp. We had another corp. And we were paying all these corporate tax return fees and the amount of money I think that we moved up to our holding corp that like the first year or second year was like 50 bucks. Right. And we thought, what are we doing? But over time, it's been the best thing ever. Right. Personally, I don't own anything. Like really the corporate structure is my life. Now, me as an individual, I don't really own anything. Right. So we're very grateful. But we've told everyone maybe consider sticking personally because the banks in Canada have the most qualification options to you personally. So start with a property to three maybe. But again, talk to your accountant. But that's where we've been coming from, the mortgage qualification. Right. And I'm not a lawyer, and, and we've, we've had differing opinions from lawyers. Lawyers are kind of the worst for this because you get 100 are different sure? I opinions. I thought it was accountants. It's lawyers? Well, I'm not a lawyer. I don't incorporate <laughs> you. Yeah, got right? it. So, I mean, it, for me, it's, it's pretty simple. The way I've been told to do it is you buy in your personal name and you do a trust agreement for a corporation. Yeah, got it. Got it. But, and I know that's possible. So if anyone's listening to this, is just putting this together is that 
sometimes I think at, at really big real estate players in this country at the corporate level, if they don't want, so for example, if a big grocery chain is going to, this isn't really done anymore because they, they rent their spots, but just by way of example, if a big grocery chain is going to buy a new location across the street from maybe a competitor, they may not want that competitor to know that they're about to plunk down a, a you know, a, a grocery store there. So they will buy that location in trust right. under some other name. Right. So that you really can't, it's a little harder to figure out who's buying that kind of piece of real estate. And then later they can, you know, because that trust agreement's in place, if they close on the property in this other name, the trust agreement essentially says this property is being purchased in trust by this name for this actual corporation over here. Right. And that trust agreement allows you to move the property into another corporation ownership structure without triggering land transfer tax. And you're right, lawyers go crazy over this. They argue over this. Completely. So you have to, t if you if you just listen to what I said and you're trying to do that yourself personally, you have to get your own legal advice because lawyers just go at it on that, on whether that's possible or proper or not proper. Exactly. So one, Actually, it would have been, uh, been great to talk to Fab and... Um, that lawyer he brought in, Lepresti, about that specific question. Next time I will, for right. sure. But yeah, there, he, he'll give you a different answer than 10 others. So it's if a lawyer is representing you, they're representing you. So you listen to what they're saying, maybe get advice from two and pick one that you want. But, but that's, that's what you were saying. Buy it with a trust agreement. You have to have the corporation in place already. You can't start a corporation two years down the road. No, It has to be a legitimate corporation that already exists yep. and perhaps use a trust agreement to buy personally and then move it into the corp later. Technically it is move. It is in trust in the, for the corp. It's, it is in trust for the corp yeah. from day one. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's when it's when my understanding is when you're operating the company. So when you actually take possession of the property, from that point on, you have a bank account, you have lease agreements, everything is set up and you are operating as a corporation and your name's not anywhere. You're just a director operating on behalf. And I and I would assume CRA just cares where the revenue is being recognized um, because if you qualified for, I'm just thinking out loud here, if you qualified for it personally, but from day one, the you know, like the bank account is the corporate bank account and everything is like the under the corporation, then CRA just looks at that rental income in that property as a corporate asset. Right. I don't think CRA has an opinion on it or they really care about it. it, it they just want their money. So they're kind of taken care of. It's it's more land registry. Did Is the asset moving over? Is there land transfer tax that has to be paid? On that situation, no. My understanding, I think with our last one that happened, because we've done a number like this, and last time it was... Um, the company in trust was actually named in the legal documents, which was the first time that's happened. So, because land registry, I believe it now shows if corpse involved as well. The banks are the ones that might not like this because yeah, they're not you, they're you, not lending to the corporation. They're, they're lending, lending to, to you, you personally, right? So that's where kind of the the hiccup is. But but if you're they're lending to you personally, you're basically personally guaranteeing it because you're they're lending to you personally. Mm -hmm. They're getting paid. The revenue for tax purposes might be recognized on a on a corporate structure, but the bank has you on the hook personally. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying because the ownership, technically, if that trust agreement could, you could argue that the actual owner is not the individual and it's the corp right. who's owning it. Um, yeah, so it gets into a little bit of murky waters there. Yeah, so it, it, joint and several should be the way that this is just always set up. If I have a corporation then there's nothing in it. The bank's not going to lend to them. They're still lending to me. So they would technically lend to the company, but it would be joint and several with me on the hook. This, some banks, the banks are the ones that cause the biggest problem here. Because yeah, because some banks so allow archaic. that. And, yeah, exactly. they're archaic. Some <laughs> banks, so if you've never been down this path in Canada with investment property, some banks allow you to close on a rental property using this kind of structure or right inside a corporation without this trust agreement and other banks do not. Yeah. Other banks are just like, forget it. It's a residential piece of rental income and you must close on it in a personal name. Completely. Some banks like Airbnb, some like rentals, some like cottages. Some like student rentals, others it, don't. It, that's, this is, it, the banks, they have their own criteria portfolio that they want to carry uh, for risk on their book. Um, so you just have to play with their rules. And I learned how. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And that's, that's the whole battle, it seems like. And what I also 
have learned, as you've articulated here, is that there's never a single answer. Like you can get one opinion from a lawyer and then a completely different op uh, opinion from a different tax lawyer. Right. And it's really just what you're able to defend in front of CRA and then what CRA ultimately rules on you. Right. I always thought there was this like black and white, right, wrong, you know, one zero kind of method where right. it was like, this is the way to do it. I didn't realize that almost everything's open for interpretation in this world. Right. No, for sure. To go back to the corporation setup. So with my corporations and my rentals, I don't have a holding company. So this is one where a lot of people think that they should set up a holding company. So think about it like this for me. If, if I have a real estate company, it pays its passive income. So it pays the highest tax. Which is 48, 49%, something it, like that? Somewhere around there. Okay. If I have my oh, other- I like how there's no straight answer on it's, that either. Okay, it's, high, I'm, high 40s. I'm, I'm a very simple, I look at things very simply. It doesn't matter if it's, 46 or 47 it's it's, it's, it's bad <laughs> right it's bad. so if i have rentals uh, rental corporations at that tax rate and then i have my other companies that are paying tax at 13 percent, well where am i going to take my money from sure yeah right so if i have significant cash flow in my rentals i'm going to pay that out to myself through a dividend and the other and the and the, sorry, the other corps are having the lower tax rate because that's the small business tax rate up to the first $500,000 of net income. Exactly. You're taxed at 13 or 12 and a half or 12 and a half two or whatever exactly. it is now. Who cares? Yeah, it's low. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Okay. So all, all you need to know is, is a 35% difference in, in, in the tax rate. So we take our money from the rentals and we leave our money in our professional corps or our, our rental corps or sorry, our businesses, our active businesses. So... There will never be retained earnings in my rentals. There might be in, in 15 or 20 years, but the purpose of a holding company is to move income up after tax income. So your retained earnings. So the retained earnings is the accumulation of the income statement. Okay, so 10 years, 100 grand left over, pay tax, all of that money goes to retained earnings. That's really what's up for grabs, plus the appreciation in the properties. You can't protect the appreciation or the principal pay down in the property. It's just the retained earnings, which is actually the cash. That goes up to a holding company. But in a real estate company, there shouldn't be retained earnings. Unless you're uber, uber rich. Because those retained earnings, you're kind of moving over to your active other business. I'm stripping it. I'm taking out the retained earnings. Yeah. Got it. But your other business is an active business. So couldn't it be challenged under some other uh, thing because it's an operating business and it's, uh, you know, whereas a holding company, my impression was a holding company is not really doing any active business so that it's harder to have any litigation against it. So every, everyone's different, right? So chartered accountants, um, there's a look through certain professionals have a look through. So it doesn't matter if my professional corporation has a holding company I can get sued through that. So the purpose of the holding company is that it doesn't operate with anyone, so it can't get sued. The real estate company and my professional corporation can get sued. So having a holding company doesn't make sense for me. Now for my wife, it does because she can't get sued. So we've set because she doesn't have that look through. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Yeah, real estate agents don't have the look through. Got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you're listening to this, if you're an investor who also has their real estate license, just was it's this this year, mm -hmm. right? Th just this year, real estate aid licensed real estate sales representatives—that's the proper term—are um, able to have a personal, professional corporate. Sorry, a professional corporate a prec. Yeah, personal real estate corporation. Something like that. <laughs> a personal real estate corporation to um, to to get paid into. Whereas before, brokerages had to pay real estate sales professionals to their personal name, but now they can get paid into this corp. Right. Um, got it. And uh, but I think that, that doesn't have to look through, so that that kind of is protected from other things that might be going on in her life. Well, yeah, and I read something, and and uh, I don't know if you're going to know this, but I don't. You're think, the accountant, dude. Uh, this, you're the this accountant. Is, this this goes past. You're that. the accountant wearing the hat that says <laughs> "ass" on it. This what, you got to tell me. That. You tell us about the hat. After. <laughs> My brother bought it for me. Um, <laughs> Real estate, I, I believe real estate agents in a corporation aren't protected the same way that they were outside of a corporation also from getting sued. 
Oh, really? Yeah. The corporations are worse? Yeah, I don't think they're protected under um, RICO. Or yeah, the Real Estate Council of Ontario. Yeah, so I believe that they're not covered there. So what we've done is we've set up the holding companies to move the money up to make sure that they now are protected. Got it. But okay. you would have to you would have to know that. Nick will know that answer. I don't know any of those operational details, but Nick will likely know that answer. You're like me. Yeah, yeah. Just walk around. Just give me the basics. Yeah. I'm a very simple. Give person. me a microphone. <laughs> I'm very simple. So okay. So the holding company does that, and then ultimately. To, to me, now that we, you know, now that I'm 48 and we've been running this, I feel like forever, um, it's been very valuable because to me, I feel like the holding corp is your whole life almost because the other corporations just kind of move up earnings into that holding corp. I personally don't own anything. The holding corp owns my other businesses. Some are operating businesses. Some are real estate businesses. Um, and I almost feel like a ghost personally, which to me, I'm grateful for. But you guys are very successful. So I don't know if you know that. So apparently some people have said I am as well. So it, it depends. I have a ton of clients. Um, there's a lot of holding companies out there and not a lot of them are being used. So Fab and I, we don't like to set up holding companies right away because someone's starting a business, there's legal costs, there's accounting costs. Do we, Fab and I are adamant about not spending legal money. So if you're starting a business, start a single business. If you want to invest in real estate in five years, oh, actually, no. First we say, is there a risk, right? If you're a consultant, is there a risk you're going to get sued and lose what's in there? Because remember, that's what the holding company's for. So if you want to invest in real estate down the road, what we just do is we loan money from your consulting company to a sister company, which is a real estate company. So you don't necessarily need a holding company. Got it. So if you're starting a business today for yourself, you're going to quit your job and start some new business. You can start that new business. And if you don't have any rental property or other property now, you can just start another corporation in the future to hold your property. Exactly. And those would be your two corps right. that you can manage your accounting with. And you can get all the tax efficiencies through those two, those two corps. And then if, if it grows and you're able to accumulate some retained earnings, then maybe you do a hold co. Then you do what's called a reorganization and, and you can create a holding company at that time. Now, the cost difference, you'll spend about four or $5,000 to do that transaction, but that'll be in five years once you've proved that you can make 500 grand in here. We don't care if you're gonna spend five grand when you have that money, but spending 1,500 to set up a holding company up front, you know, yeah, that's how we felt when we were setting it up. Yeah, I, I, several years we felt like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? We spent a lot every year. Completely. I, I several years when we set it up, I think before we were even using them, Nick and I did zero dollar tax returns ourselves because I think we went to someone to do a corporate tax return and their minimum was like seven hundred bucks. This is way back. Right. And we're like, well, we're not using these corps, so we can just put zeros ourselves. So we just. I oh, for sure. I remember getting threatening letters from CRA saying, "You haven't done your corporate taxes," and we're like, "We haven't done our corporate taxes because we have no corporation. There's yeah. no business here." So we just put zeros and everything, closed our eyes, threw a stamp on the envelope, and sent it back, and they never seemed to bother us. So. That's that's so awesome. there we go. I can tell people I'm an account. I do corporate tax. I there do. Yeah. I, I have actually done corporate taxes. I told you it was easy. Corporate <laughs> tax is easy. Um, okay. So then, so basically hold real estate. You you almost always depreciate it. There's going to be some cases when you don't depreciate it, you're depreciating it because you want access to your cash and you want to defer taxes and you want to be able to invest that cash. The opportunity cost of not getting access to your cash is too big. Right. Get access to your cash today, pay less taxes by depreciating the property with the capital cost allowance yep. thing. And then you have more money back in your pocket to do with as you please. Right. Okay. Anything else? When it was, so on the real estate tax front, anything else come to mind where people are like, huh, I don't, I don't understand why more people don't do this. No, I, everyone that comes to us, it's, it, I've rinse and repeat. I've said this probably 5,000 times in the last 10 years. It's when we, when we look at a, a couple, like I was telling you with, with someone I was talking to today, I look at their situation. First, you have to identify your situation, right? So claiming losses on a property is foolish. Let's play by the rules. I play by the rules and I've done extremely well playing by them. And but it lets you sleep at night. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But it, it's... I'm sorry, I'll let you go. I'm just going to interject here. We had one client that came to us once and they said, we want to use your accountant. And uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, no problem. Why? I'm just curious why you're so adamant. They're like... 
well, we heard he's really good. And they said, you know, we, we really aren't paying any taxes right now, but we want to use your accountant. And I'm like, listen, if you're already not paying any taxes from whatever you're doing currently, I don't think our accountant's going to be able to help you bear yeah. <laughs> which way you want. If you're paying zero taxes, you want to pay less than zero, just get rebates on everything and refunds on everything. <laughs> so, so I think just through our life, and it was actually one of our, our first accountants who was like a bit of a mentor to us, Dennis Legoy, who's passed yep. away. He always told, had the same advice. Right. He's like, how important is it to sleep at night? pay your fair share of tax, use the tax code to its max, you know, use 100%. it properly and fairly and, but you, and use everything about it mm-hmm. and defer the taxes like yours, do everything, but just pay your fair share. It's been the best advice completely instead of trying to always like manipulate things to pay zero taxes. Yeah. The, the way I explain it is, is, you know, again, I'll, I'll, the small business deduction. So rentals are different, but anybody that can incorporate their job should, because the, the, the small business deduction in there is 13%. It's 12.5%. If you're collecting welfare, you're paying 12.5%. But you're not getting below that unless you're cheating, which is, is kind of pointless. So what we look at is the, the entire family and we say husband, wife, or, or spouse and spouse, what do each make? What's the carrying cost to live? It can one of them incorporate. So if they're both making a hundred grand, the average living cost for a family of two is about eight or nine grand a month. Is that what it is? That's I, I say that number to everyone and they all say, How do you know that? Oh okay. <laughs> okay. But but they all keep saying <laughs> they, they, spent, they, they add that, up in their head and they're like, Yeah, that's that's it. So it. Okay. okay. So that's the number I yeah, kind of go with. It. Yeah. So um you're also based in Burlington, Burlington, Ontario, yeah. where I don't think... I'm in yeah. Oakville. Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, you're living in Oakville. Your office is based in Burlington. You're probably yeah. dealing with slightly higher than average... No, no, no. This is... Well, this yeah, is, we, we're dealing with small businesses, so it's, you know... It. Okay. But, but a, a mortgage, food, kids doing stuff, car, yeah, you throw car payments... Hockey, two kids, competitive dance hockey oh you're, you're at you're at 12 grand you're yeah. at 14 grand yeah. a month so yeah. I, mean, I remember when i was at at oracle it was ruben and i we looked at each other i think we both got slight raises or a different comp plan where we we're going to get a bit more commission and we both looked at each other and said you know what we're almost there like if we can just get to five thousand dollars a month in our pockets yeah i mean it's over. Like we've got everything we ever need. I don't know what age Start we were. The car. I, we were probably like 31 or 32 when we said that. Yeah. And now looking back as sad as it is to admit, it's like that won't, that won't get anyone very far. Uh, no, no. And that yeah. was as a family, by the way, but that was a family, not just me. That I, was I like wife at home having my first son. I'm like, yeah, that'll do it. That's everything. That's what I need. Pure freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Your life changes and you're like, holy smokes. Yeah. But, uh, okay. Got it. So you're looking at the whole picture and to, is somebody should incorporate if they can. If they can, if you're not spending all of your money combined. So, you know, everyone I talk to is go back and look at your numbers and find out where you're spending your money. If you got to plug the holes and say, we got to save. So once you can start saving, you can use the corporation. If you can't, and you're burning through 200, even though you're supposed to be spending on paper 90, well, figure that out. But if you can save, then you one person starts saving and that becomes the nest egg. That becomes, do we invest in real estate? Do we invest in the stock market? That's your portfolio, right? So anyone who's an employee that's making good money, they have one choice and that's RSPs. Oh gosh, don't even, so I, I, I'm just I know. When you, talk, when you talk to people, is there a common thread on where people are spending too much money, where they always come back and say, oh, we got to really trim it down there? No. Or no? It's all, no. all over the place? No. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then RRSPs, that's for somebody who's uh, an employee who has no other tax efficiencies available to them, leverage the RRSP. You have no choice. You're going to see a 35, you know, but then, okay, so then, percent uh, right, return uh, right away, day one. So if, if you're making 300 grand a year, you just got taxed a huge amount of dollars, you know, probably 125,000. You put in 50 grand to RSPs, you're getting a $25,000 refund. So now you just made 25,000 off your investment, plus you're gonna see your appreciation on your money in your RSPs, hopefully. And it's growing tax-free in there. So you're right, like my right? whole argument about it, so I can see that argument. It I know. It makes sense. It, no, it makes sense what you're saying. 
So it makes sense. I don't have RSBs. Uh, I, I don't like them. It's not but for my that style, situation. It 100%. makes a ton of sense. If you have uh, yeah. no other options, right. use an RRSB. But if you take that money out, if you're making 300 grand next next year and you want to take that money out, well, they're penal. You're penalized. So in like three years, if you're still making that money and you want to take it out, well, you're just giving all the money back. So your money's trapped in there until you're in retirement and you're not making a lot of money. I'm not planning to not make a lot of money in retirement. In retirement, I want to make a lot of money. So to take my money out then and be taxed is, you know. Where do you think we're headed with taxes? I mean, you you watch the stuff like I watch the stuff. So the deficits just continue to grow in this country. I don't see the end of the, like I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel in any capacity yet, which to me means we're just gonna keep spending more and more money. I think taxes in every way are gonna go up. Like this small business tax rate that we've been referring to today will likely be very different even a year from now. Let's see, I'm sure they'll creep it up. It'll still probably be very good and something that you'll wanna aim for because it'll be better than the personal rates. But let's face it, I think taxes are gonna go up in every way possible. How can they not? Well, uh, I, I don't know how they can. I don't know how you can take 50% off of someone, you know, because salaries haven't gone up, right? So. That, that's that's the thing is is you know someone sitting in an office making 250 grand last year they're making maybe 255 the year after or 260 right and those are really big numbers so how can the government go in and increase those taxes when the cost of living has gone up so much this is the destruction of the that, middle class that we keep talking about oh it's how gone. can they but it's how gone. can they not yeah. Because their expenses are going to continue to go up. Mm -hmm. The government's going to just continue to spend more and more and more. Completely. So I agree with you. They're because going, if, they they're, raise, if they raise taxes, it just hurts the typical Canadian. But how can they not raise taxes? They're going, after, in my opinion, yeah, yeah. I don't know where they're going, but I'm, I'm saying where can they go, right? So they can't really increase. Are you going to take more than 50% from someone? Why, I, th I think why? they will. <laughs> no, I know that's ludicrous. You know, yeah. Let's see. Let's yeah. see. You know, small business deduction, that's that's the Canadian economy almost. Right? Besides real estate, like real estate and the small businesses. The small businesses, so what can they do? They can't steal from them as well because most small businesses are hurting. So, what can they do? They're going to take from the middle to high class. Even though the middle class is jarring in my opinion, middle class is being split. Some is joining high, some is joining low. And then I think middle class will be built out again in the next five or 10 years from people really fighting to get in there. Um, but all this spending is going to the high class, to the upper class. And what they're going to do is they're taking their investments. So you think it's going to come from investments? It, it, that's where all the free money is. Mm-hmm. So real estate investors then who own property, you think... You're getting screwed. And, and stock portfolios. Stock portfolios. Yeah. Any, um, we looked at this and they said they were going to... No, my Bitcoin. My Bitcoin too? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I, you want to that. throw it we'll in. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> but no, but on the real estate, so you're thinking they'll just increase, if it's an investment property, what they're going to take some of the appreciation, even though it's unrealized gains, I haven't sold the property, the, or just on the rent? We, we, we heard a number of rumors. Nothing came in. So we heard that there we're getting rid of the principal residence exemption. Okay, and I, I'll give you my vote. That'll never happen. I, I, I completely agree. But if if they're looking for money, there's only so many places yeah. they can okay. look. Okay, principal place exemption. So principal residence, they were looking at getting rid of. But again, this is a scare tactic from from the government because they're trying to also slow down the real estate market. So this is government this is my thing of government intervention whenever they talk i don't listen so <laughs> principal residence exemption um they're gonna i think go after or can can try um they were looking at raising the capital gains to 75 percent. that's gonna happen that's gonna okay well, i'm with you on that one that's so, happening so so and this is this is complete bullshit for me is they they better grandfather this I think Biden's proposal, I know I'm talking U.S. now. Yeah. When he put it out, they said retroactive to April 1st this year. What the, and, that, and to me, that's fair. So because, it's not even passed. Yeah. Because, but what they said is that they, if they do pass this, they don't want people with assets to be able to maneuver their stuff around before it goes into effect. So even if they pass these proposals later this year, they're going to make them retroactive. Oh, no, 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 no. For me, I'm looking at it as being fair. 
I don't mind paying tax on capital assets if if that's the rule of 75%, but that starts now. So whatever my property was worth up to now is free. That's my 50% capital gain. If I decide to go buy one now, I've made a judgment, but you can't. Okay, so make the change, but make it, everyone has to get some sort of assessment or when you do sell, what was the fair market value at this year? Exactly. So it'll be like a, a weighted average calculation that's done as of June 1st, 2021, the capital gain rate was 50%. Past that was okay. 75% and the math gets worked out okay. that way. And then for stock portfolio, It would be the same. Similar thing. What's it would the, be like what's V-Day. What's the worth of it? Okay. So then what else? So that one I feel like is coming. By the way, I think there's going to be a federal election. What is it, this fall? So I'm sure nothing happens until the federal election is through. And then this all just gets shoved down our throats. Who are you going to vote for? I have no idea. Well, okay. I, I usually don't get involved in politics, but okay. this year I'm getting involved in politics. Uh, yeah. and, and I don't I don't mean that I'm going to have politicians on this podcast or something. I just mean I'm placing my vote. Okay. Yeah. So I, yeah, I, I will I, watch what each of them say and I'll yeah. place my vote. Maybe that means just destroying my ballot, JP. Well, I might just go in there and just punch all these holes with my little pencil through the paper. I, I mean, I mean, conservatives are, 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 are going to help a certain class and liberals are going to help a different class. That's yeah. the, that's the tough part about this. So I, they seem all so similar to me. I just got to, you know, they they seem all the same to me. I don't okay. see how any of them are helping anybody at this point. I don't know if the conservatives would go and in, in up capital gains rates. I think if their tax revenues get squeezed, this is interesting because you're right. I I hear what you're saying, loud and clear. I just feel like governments are going to be starved over the next few years, and they don't even see it coming, because what they've done to the economy, especially here in Canada. I feel they don't understand what is happening in the world and they're going to starve themselves of the tax revenues. And even the conservative government will be forced to just raise taxes because they won't be able to feed themselves. But we'll see. I think this will play out over the next decade. You think the Republicans are going to increase the taxes in the the states? Well, the Republicans spent just as much money as every other government that I've ever seen. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with you. It's something has to be done. So, uh, I, but I don't know what that is and, and I don't want them to take my money. So it's, it's really tough. I can see both sides to this, you know, and, and, and people that aren't doing well, I, I don't want them to not do well. Agreed. Right. Yes. And I want my streets to be nice and my highways mm, to be garbage nice. to so, be picked up and exactly. you want the hospitals to be running efficiently. Yeah, but that's why I pay my fair tax. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But your fair tax. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I play by the rules. Mm-hmm. No, no, agreed. I was just going to say that your fair taxes, who, who's to argue that those money, that money is being spent wisely, but that's a whole other conversation exactly. that we don't even have to get into. Um, okay. So capital gains, anything else that you think might change? Those are the big ones. Yeah. Those are but the But you don't ones. think they're going to change the personal tax rates too much to be just because it would be political suicide and people at the higher brackets are already at 50%. You know, 47, 48, 49, yeah. 50, they're yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot of money on the table, right? Remember before COVID happened, um, the government, CRA put a plan. They spent $2 billion to go after five, right? So they're what going... What was the five that they were going to go after? They, they were attacking people because there's so many uh, people not paying their tax, their fair mm-hmm. share. Got it. So okay. they, they have a risk-based uh, criteria that they go after, you know, high-income earners that are claiming losses on properties. Is that a common one? That is an automatic audit. That oh, is yeah. like... <laughs> so if you're a high income earner and you're holding the property, I guess, personally and claiming a loss, yeah. that's just a red flag because they think... I'm Sorry, I'm just brainstorming this out in my head. They think you're artificially making a loss out of those properties because you're a high income earner. Yep. So we're going to audit the heck out of that. Yep. And then they're going to find that what the properties aren't actually making a loss, that some of these expenses were Pretty fabricated much. in some, some way. Now, the hard, the hard part for CRA on that is that... They they have to invest time and money for people doing that. So it's really, it, it's tough. Can people get through with that? People have. Um, but I know they've also gone after people. I, uh, last year, I saw probably about 10 people with hobby businesses that had losses. And they were high income earners. And they were all disallowed. Yeah, got it. You're okay, not allowed so a hobby someone, business. A hobby, what, is there some sort of definition of what a hobby business is? You have to make money. Okay, so somebody just started a corporation, called it a business that they're operating, but then it's just losing money. They're running expenses through it, but there's no revenue coming in. So if you had revenue coming in, 
a healthy, I don't know what CRA would think is a healthy revenue against a certain amount of expenses, but if you had some revenue, I guess you could claim some losses because a, a young business is going to have losses for the first little while, but you need revenue. It, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a hobby. I mean, if I'm a photographer and that's my hobby and I go out and I buy a whole bunch of equipment and I have printing and I have ink and I have all this stuff, you know, and I, I charge three people, but my expenses are 30000 you know, yeah. that's a hobby. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting to me. So, what else, what else does CRA come after that you've seen so far? We we losses. Yeah. They don't like losses. Don't have losses. Okay, but sometimes you're going to have losses. You're allowed legitimate losses. Okay, that's not continued losses forever, multiple years. If if a business has losses for three years in a row, is that already suspicious? I guess personal versus corporate is different. We see a lot more activity on personal audit and and personal losses. Corporate losses, CRA doesn't overly look at because we don't know okay we just see it a lot more on personal is that low-hanging fruit for them maybe because some high-income earners are just starting is it sole proprietorships that they start as a loss can that be i'm not familiar with sole proprietorships that's that's a business that someone operates that's it's a hobby business that's a hobby business where you but it's an actual business if if i'm a contractor if i'm a you know consultant and i don't incorporate I have an actual business where I'm billing, I'm making a hundred grand. That's a sole, sole proprietorship. Got it. Okay. Okay. So any, so they come after the personal side a little bit more from your experience. 100%. Huh. Okay. So, and then you're buying property and this will lead us into some of the Bitcoin talk and your thoughts on it, but you're buying property and you like hard assets because why? Uh, because I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I like construction. I like houses. You've kind of forced us into real estate. (laughs) (laughs) You know, just for those of you who can't see us, JP just pointed at me and basically said, you forced us, you know, so, and it was one of the best things. JP's wife, Andrea McDonald works here at Rockstar and she has for day one. And we shouldn't talk about Andrea behind her back, but for the record, I'm sure I've shared this with you before, before you guys were married. Yeah. She came and met with us and said, uh, I want to work with you guys. And we're like, hey, listen, I don't think this is right. This is crazy what we're doing. We don't even know really what we're doing, you know, to work. This is, and uh, to her credit, like she went away and she came back like a week later and said, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And she, she's been amazing. From oh, like day, Amazing, unstoppable force. Yeah. So full credit to her. Like she. No, she is, kills it. She yeah. kills it. So great. Um, and then she started buying properties. And so, but yeah. You Wait, got, no, you no, got no. she didn't in. buy us. You, you forced her to. Yeah, I forced her to. Now I see what you're referring <laughs> you to. Said, you because... said, you can't be a coach unless you own. And you know what? I but agree that, with you. Didn't that feel right? Like So for context, yeah. we had started Rockstar. And if Andrea was going to work with investors, we told her she has to be an investor herself. Maybe we're putting that up as a block to get her not to join us. But yeah. it was basically, you have to go off and buy an investment property and become an investor yourself. If you're, yeah. How are you going to help other investors if you don't know what the investors are going through? Yeah. And to her credit, she like did it. Well, no, she didn't because she came home and told me that we had to do it. So, <laughs> and, 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 and you, I was one of the people that you hate to deal with because accountants, lawyers, um, anyone trained in like finance is probably the worst person to deal with because they are trained in the negative thought. So when Andrew came, I'm like, oh, but this can go wrong. This can go wrong. This can go wrong. And she's like, yeah, but this can go right. This can go right. This can go. And I'm like, so it's all negative audit training. I never thought about that. It's because of your schooling. That's what yeah. you guys think like that. It's just Completely. like, where were the mistakes going to happen? Yeah, look at Fab. Fab. I w- then Andrew got a property. Like we, I said, okay. And we went and got it. And the second we did that, it was like, Andrew, move over. And I so just So what was the light bulb moment for you? Yeah. What what happened? Uh, she went. She took care of it. It it got rented. We started making money. And so you saw the revenue stream start to happen. And I saw how easy it was. And I was like, let's go. And now I scare her. She's like. Yeah. But that's credit to you because I mean, <clears throat> I've, we've met a lot of accountants over the years. I'll never forget one right before I quit NetSuite. They're like, why are you going to quit this awesome job? Six figure salary. You're a regional salesman. Yeah. Classic oh, yeah. middle management. Yeah. Right? Just <laughs> Using RSPs, <laughs> I bet. 
Uh, yeah, I had some RSPs. Yeah, I sold the RSPs to start this business. Oh, there you go. 5,000 <laughs> at a time. So I had the least withholding tax. Yeah, but but <laughs> you weren't making money when you started. So you're good. It was good. Yeah. And it was actually the perfect time to cash out my RSPs. Um, <laughs> I think at, at one point I was shocked the Canadian government started sending me like a quarterly GST check, like a <laughs> refund. That's how poor I was from going from my six figure salary to quitting. That's I don't think awesome. I asked for it. That must be a checkbox somewhere on some tax return. Yeah. And I just started getting like a GST check. And I oh, remember yeah. thinking, I don't think I should get this check. Like, am I doing okay? Am yeah. I going to make it? Yeah. Why am I getting this GST? It's $54 yeah. or $102 oh, yeah. bucks or whatever it was. I, I got it when I was 18 or something. Yeah, okay. So yeah, you shouldn't <laughs> be getting it when you're like 31 or something. But anyway, yeah. um, the uh, this one accountant sat me down right before I was going to quit uh, NetSuite and he put in a spreadsheet and he said, um, well, let's run. And he gave some accounting term that I think was super advanced and maybe it, w- it doesn't sound super advanced to me right now, but I think it was some opportunity cost okay. formula. He's like, well, what's the opportunity cost oh, wow. of the money yeah. in this property versus putting it over here, here, and here? And he had all these like s- historic stock market ratios and oh, stuff. Yeah. And I remember just looking at him going... I don't think you get it. You get this income, you get cash flow, there's tax advantages to this thing, and the appreciation, I'm, I can put down, at the time, we could put down, there was lending programs in Canada for 10% down. It went lower after we started, it actually went to five and zero, but you could put 10% down as an investor right. and borrow 90%. Dude. I could do a 10 to one leverage. That was in like 2008 then. That, that was yeah. right around 2008. I'm like, I could do this leverage. I, I'm controlling, so on his calculations, he like failed to figure out that I was, my leverage position was just like so great that if the property appreciated at like 2% against yeah. my 10%, that was a, a massive return. Yeah. So I just kind of looked at him and I'm like, I don't think that, I don't think you get it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Walked away. Yeah. But uh, who knew properties would appreciate the way they, we always had our suspicions and you know, we've talked about debt and low interest rates forever. When many in the industry kind of kind of laughed at us a little bit, let's face it, and said, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Interest rates are going to go back up. And we were like, it's just math. Yeah. I don't see how they can go up. Very simple math. Yeah. So, okay. So you saw it operating and then that's what convinced you that it was the right thing. Completely. Yeah. And you still believe that going forward now in 2021? What are your Um, thoughts now? Well, you know, well now, you know what we did. We sold our house. We, we rented, but we played by the rule because we played by the banking system and you know, we were tapped out for mortgages. So we sold the house, we went rented and all of a sudden the bank would lend to us and we had a ton of money. So we went back to market. So we just kind of topped up at the end of last year. And now we're, we're trying to figure out what to What's do. What's the next move? You know, but a cottage came up next door to us in, in, in uh, Quartas and we're like, let's buy it. But we're crazy like that. And then a cottage came up what, behind you, us and we're like, okay, let's buy that one. You guys going to monopolize the lake? <laughs> yeah, we kind of want to. So you have your cottage. You've now bought another cottage? No, we're, 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 we're trying to figure out the next. Andrew oh, and I, got are, it. Okay. I, when it comes to real estate now, we're just. We're, you just can't sit still. Well, you know yeah, that. Yeah. But it's we're looking, do we build a house? Do we not build a house? We're trying to figure out. Yeah, our next step and, and that's tough you know what's really hard i saw i think it's like our old bank of canada governor mark carney put out a tweet and he and it, and it said something along the lines of like pensions are our future and it's important that pensions start talking about climate change because they're gonna be able to influence some and i forget i don't even know the end of this tweet but i remember thinking just the first half of his tweet i'm like does he really think pensions are the future? Because I think in all the modeling, any pension people I've ever spoken with, they're screwed. Because I don't think pensions ever anticipated that the rate of t- uh, of return or any yield that they were going to be able to earn was going to be as low as it is. Yeah. So just on the first half, never mind his climate change talk. We can all argue that kind of stuff. But the pension aspect of it, I think the pension industry going forward is huge. And what if I if he was sitting right here and I was to talk to him, I would say, hey, Mark, how is anyone in their right mind able to plan for their retirement in this country when we don't know what inflation is going to be? Because if right. JP McDonald, the accountant, sits next to a family and says, you're going to need this much income to retire. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens if inflation rips at 10% for three years? Mm-hmm. Then everything, all the advice and counsel that JP gave, it's out the window. How can you, how can pensions, how can accountants, how can families plan for their retirement when the money system's bastardized by inflation. Right. I think we are seeing it. I think we're starting to see a tiny bit of inflation in certain sectors, but I think they're going to come back down. I I, I don't see how it can't. I mean, we're looking at at certain pricing, mainly around construction, because everyone's been at home. Everyone wants to work on their house. 
Uh, there's no inventory. Mills are shut down. Factories are shut down. But all of those products can be built again and inventories can be ramped up. It's not like, you know, uh, dairy mm -hmm. where half the population of the cows just died. Right. That, that would be something else where, you know, now we're looking at a longer term with, with this, we're going to be looking at, you know, a two year turnaround for prices to go up and then come back down because supply and demand is people want to sell cheap. That's mm -hmm. yeah, no, it, it's going to be interesting. Why? So why did you get into the Bitcoin world? I'd figure uh, an accountant. I listened to you. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Shit. Thanks man. <laughs> oh shit you know i i, I we, when you came back in november Are you saying you thanks man because you're up or, no, from when you buy it or because you're down dude from when you buy it? i this is why i invest in real estate because every time i buy something it goes down and then every time i sell it it goes up so anyone getting into the stock market by yourself um don't it's the wild west <laughs> i mean um you know we've repeated this so much like the thing we the, the beautiful thing about real estate is that it's not liquid and it's not efficient and the, and, and the reason that's beautiful is because it's not efficient information is difficult to get so you can outcompete the big players because jp mcdonald you can understand what houses are renting for in different parts of the city but the big guys really can't and they can't go buy 150 single family homes very easily right so that you can get in that market it's not an efficient market yeah and it's not is liquid so when you want to sell because nick and i have been in situations where we want to sell a rental mm -hmm. and it's just not easy you don't push a button right. but if you look at the price of a stock or bitcoin you're like i'm out you can push a button yep. and you're out yeah. so i like the fact that real estate's not liquid because it's forced us to keep several properties in particular that both of us have wanted to sell at different times because we have had tenant issues and repair issues yeah. and we've just held them and we've benefited right so, there, but, but you, but then you didn't answer the question you got into, you, something went through your head with this whole Bitcoin stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it is the wave of the future. It's, it's, we're looking at currencies and we're looking at what's being printed and, you know, I don't understand the, the technicalities of Bitcoin, but we, what we do understand is what all the governments across the world are doing to currency. So as we've said, real estate really hasn't gone up in price. It's, the dollars have gone down. So, and the interest rates have gone down. So do we need a stabilized currency? China thinks so, because they've made one. And, and you know, it, it's, and nobody could predict what China was going to do to Bitcoin. Um, you you know, mean with the Bitcoin the, mining and banning the Bitcoin mining and the whole business. Banning, I think yeah. they banned Bitcoin. They yeah. banned Bitcoin from all of their portfolios. So there was a huge sell-off. It was a trillion dollars got lost. By, by one government saying that. You don't think the U.S. wants to do that? Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I wonder if the U.S. will understand that it's to their competitive advantage to embrace it. Because at this point, no one's going to really ban it. Bitcoin's going to live on whether a country wants to participate or not. It's more just like China saying, I'm not participating, and Bitcoin lives on. Right. Um, and the price fluctuates like it does, and it's volatile like it, do it is. Um, I just believe, I think this is something I shared at our last economic update, and I can't remember, you know, where this, when this thought entered or, you know, where I read it or something, but, but I do believe in it that volatility is going to test the conviction of those who are not educated in a certain subject. Right. So if real estate really ramps up like it did in the last year, we were basically vilified when COVID came out and I made a YouTube video saying, I don't see how prices are going to go down unless the banks stop lending mm -hmm. because we have a lack of supply. We have 10 years of population pent up demand. Right. Interest rates are low. Governments are pushing money into the system. So unless they stop lending, I don't see how they come down. And people were just like, another realtor telling you property prices go up. And I'm like, no, I'm just kind of looking at the factors that drive right. the real estate market. And uh, it's going to be it'll, it's going to be an interesting next 10 years. So you're still you're still all in on bit. I uh, you're looking yeah. for pennies under the couch is what you said. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't see how the current system survives. Right. I just, it's, it's more of that. Like it's, I, I can't see how the current system survives. Right. And what about, I mean, cause ether I've, I've heard the huge mm -hmm. battle about this and then ether went up, uh, dude, I had a lot of money in ether. Well, I bought it at 700. Oh wow. Cause and it then, went right up to like 4,000. Well, you know, I told you before I buy and sell at wrong times. Yeah. That <laughs> was one do. of the, who doesn't, that was, welcome to the club. Yeah, who doesn't, that was, who doesn't, but, but I, you know what I had to do? I had to take my money out. 
but I had I had about seventy five thousand in there in in ether at seven hundred, and I had to take it out to pay my tax. Yeah. Oh, the dreaded taxes. That's yeah, yeah. I had to take it out to pay my tax bill so I can qualify for more mortgages. Yeah, that was it. that and. I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, I could have made like a, a couple hundred grand here. And, but when you go back to real estate, you're like, well, I did. I, I, I still made my money. Sure. Yeah, yeah, got it. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and, and you were just asking about Ethereum there. Just, just for the record, to me, Bitcoin, and this is like my opinion, get your own. This is not financial advice. Everybody get your own accountant, financial advisor, lawyer. Yep. Do not listen to me in any regard about this kind of stuff. But to me, the way I personally look at this is Bitcoin is the best form of money that we've ever seen on this planet. Right. It checks off all the characteristics of being the most saleable thing across space, time, and scales. Ethereum is an interesting, very interesting piece of technology. Right. It's That's the, what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah, and that's the way I look at it. I look at it, Bitcoin is digital money. Mm -hmm. Ethereum does have a monetary aspect. There's the Ether that they call in the Ethereum world as like the monetary component of Ethereum. Mm -hmm. But to me, that's all technology. And Ethereum has to beat other competitors in that space if they're going to continue to do well. Right. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, uh, Windows versus like Linux, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Ethereum is the current Windows, but then Linux comes up and do a lot of developers and, and, uh, and applications port over to Linux and right. leave Windows behind. They're always going to be under threat from different attacks where it's very, very difficult to attack what makes Bitcoin what it is because it's not controlled by anybody, has a hard cap, all these other, other things like Ethereum and others are controlled by individuals differently some it's one or two some are like i think ethereum right now is like an association that has kind of control so there's little differences between not little absolutely massive differences between bitcoin and these other things right so one to me is money the other is very interesting digital finance technology right and i i find the um you know the tax play on bitcoin was pretty funny this year yeah and and so what are you referring to it, it well you're taxed every time you make a transaction oh yeah yeah because it's just like a they're looking at it like a commodity i think the, right you know so is it in the tax code like what is bitcoin they, they came in it's a capital gain every time you transact yeah so yeah. i mean it once what i'm what i'm thinking is pretty funny about this is once bitcoin is actually accepted as a currency and you're going to buy eggs you're going to be taxed you're, on the You're drive. paying capital gains I don't gains think it'll tax. ever be used as a currency. I think it'll be a store of value. Right. Like it'll be a store of value. I, I, I don't know. If it if it gets to the point that it's being used as a currency, we're in a very different world. Right. So, um, yeah, that'll be fascinating to see. But you're right. With the tax code, it doesn't even make sense. You're going to buy some eggs with your Bitcoin and pay tax on it. Well, yeah, if you were going to go, it. if you were going to go, Tesla had opened it. So yeah, if, yeah. if you were going to go buy a car, then mm -hmm. you would have paid capital gains mm -hmm. tax buying that mm -hmm. car. Yeah, 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 agreed. Yeah, I think it's a store of value. To right. me, it's a store. It's the most scarce asset, more scarce than the inflation rate of gold. It's more scarce in that regard than gold. So I, I just think that it's your store of value. We'll see how this plays out. Right. But it's uh, it's interesting. It's going to get a lot of attention, I think, over the next few years. We'll see if it's headed. We'll uh -huh. see here now. We're tra trending between 32,000 US and like 42,000 US. I we'll know. We'll see which way it breaks because uh, you can just smell it. It's either breaking up or it's breaking down. And that's going to answer a lot of questions. Uh, I'm looking right now. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's pretty much the same today. Yeah, it's just it's yeah. just going through it, it, that trading range, so we'll it, see what happens. Yeah, I look at it in Canadian dollars, but um, you know what? I look at it in U.S. just because all the articles and everything I read about are in U.S. In dollars, US. Yep. and some of the charts are in U.S. dollars. Yeah, and it just takes me back to when I was like buying stocks and trading some stock options in the early two thousands. Right, and I just. I love real estate because you just don't check the price every day. You don't even know what your properties are worth. Completely. Sometimes for years, Nick and I will get busy with other stuff and we're like, holy shit, what's that worth? How much equity do we have there? And uh, it's it's brilliant. I do that every year now. I, I at the, Literally at the first week of every year, I put down what the value of the house is in the portfolio of our houses so I can know kind of what the net worth is. I don't look at my bank accounts. There's never money in our bank accounts. You, you guys know the There's same. There's no Canadians that have ba money in their bank exactly. accounts. Exactly. So... It's it's kind of that net worth, and I just kind of look at that, and I run my life as a business now. And every year, I just want to see that my income statement is lined up, and my net worth, my balance sheet has gone up. So, what, what, uh, you guys started a podcast. Why why did you start it? And what's the what's the goal with the podcast? What's the name of the podcast? 
Uh, smarten up smarten with up. JP and Fab. Smarten <laughs> up with JP and Fab. Why aren't you laughing? We took, I took an episode with you. It's a great I podcast. Know, yeah, you guys are very professional. Yeah, smarten up with JP and Fab. Yeah, I know. It's, and, it, it comes across as condescending. And you know what? I say it to my kids sometimes, and 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 it's probably not the best. <laughs> but we were looking for you guys titles. to enjoy it. You yeah. smiled right when you yeah. said it, so it feels like it's No, right. it, 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 you know, it suits our personality, but it's we're not trying to be, uh, you know, uh, jerks about it. Um, it's just that... I talk to a lot of, I talk to a lot of people and, and you do as well. And I just find that, um, we have, uh, for some reason I'm on auto repeat and I'm saying the same thing. And it, it's, it, there's so many people out there, 60 year olds, 50 year olds. It, it's nonstop. They just don't know it. They don't get it. And so about, it is about taxes specifically, uh, just about life about, you know, like I said before, the first thing, like, you know, What's your plan? What's your goal? Let's create one. I'm walking in as a, I'm an accountant and I do tax and all of a sudden I'm doing investment planning and, and we're, we're figuring out people's how to create net worth for people through tax planning. Um, so people just don't do it. And for us, it's very simple. So smarten up. So you can find smarten up on all the podcast platforms your practice is out of Burlington, but you have clients I know all over Toronto. What's the URL for? It's you and Fab and the team. What is the main corporate URL? It's not even coming to oh, my mind right now. CMLLP.com. CMLLP.com. Yeah. And uh, are, are there specific services that you guys enjoy most? I think it's small business owners. Is that who you deal with primarily? Yeah, we, Fab and I, we were going to kind of break paths about two years ago because Fab's, um, he's, he's a genius and he gets really bored with mundane things. He's um, a smart guy. Man. He is. He's very, he's very intelligent. Um, I'm smarter. So okay. he's very intelligent. I was, that was the next thing going to come. I'm smarter. Yeah, yeah, got so, it. <laughs> but I, I, I just said, look, I can't make an assembly line here. So I'm looking at my own business and I'm like, Fab, I don't want to do your complex reorgs and all this. And, but that's where his brain goes. And he's like, well, I don't really want to do all this simple stuff. So I was like, and then we, we ended up coming together and it kind of formed perfectly. That was in like year nine when we went to the new office and then, you know, we have new staff that kind of, they understand everything. And it, we just have a, an assembly line dedicated to small business. We don't take personal tax anymore. We don't take uh, big business. It's you're a small business and you can come in and you just kind of work through our system and it's, it just works seamlessly now. So yeah, awesome. Good for you guys. And to be in business now, as long as you have and survive with a partner, man, it's tough. Oh yeah. We, so. we've maybe fought twice over 10 or 12 years. Yeah. That's so interesting to me because Nick and I fight twice every hour. So uh, <laughs> I say that jokingly. Like, I mean, we just, we just argue. Uh, of, of you guys nothing. are siblings though. So. Yeah. We'll argue like where we're going to lunch and who's the best oh, Leafs player, you know, that kind of stuff and business stuff as well. But, yeah. uh, okay. Give the URL it one more time. Uh, cmllp.com. And the podcast is smarten up with JP and fab. I love the name man. anything else that we wanted to share today. No, that's it. I appreciate you talking about all that stuff. We don't talk yeah. about that enough. So thank you, man. No worries. Thank, thank you. you. Cheers. Hey everyone. It's Tom again. Hopefully you enjoyed that chat with John Paul McDonald. Remember you can find them at cmllp.com cmllp.com. Make sure you check out their podcast, the smarten up podcast check that out and just enjoyed that chat love chatting with john paul and if you are listening to this and you want some inspiration for yourself or for someone else you can check out the case studies that we now have on rockstarinnercircle.com so if you just go to rockstarinnercircle.com you click on the our work tab you will then see a drop down for the case studies you can check those out there that is it for this episode thank you for listening until next time your life your terms